0: we're back on the hunt with Supernatural Season 5, Episode 19, Hammer of the Gods. I'm Chris Barrows.
1: And my name is Dan Cummins. Welcome back to the best Supernatural podcast on the air. This is the show where Chris and I rewatch our favorite show, Supernatural. We break down the plot, topics, and themes of each episode, and maybe dig out details you missed the first time around. We welcome back anybody that has listened to the show. Chris, you and I were looking at some metrics earlier, and We're really happy with everybody that has checked out the show so far. But if this is your first time, welcome. This is a fun little side project for Chris and I. And and today, Chris, I'm really excited to talk about this episode because I think for a lot of people, it's a memorable episode uh, for me, at least. And I know you really are fond of this episode, too. So let's crack right in, man. There's a lot of trivia, a lot of references, a lot of really cool characters in this one. I mean, we can't miss with this episode.
0: Well, I'll just say this. Immediately off the bat, yes, rewatch this episode, because we do like to tell people if this is worth rewatching or not, uh, in our opinion. In this case, yeah, uh, rewatch this one. Obviously, Dan, you know I, I dig when we've got different things to talk about from a mythology perspective. This is one of those, so it's pretty easy for me to like. Hammer of the Gods, by the way, aired April 22nd, 2010, directed by Rick Boda. And as you noted here, this is his only episode in terms of being a director for Supernatural. Now, he has directed Hellraiser, Vampire Diaries. So he's been in that world of Supernatural, but this is the only Supernatural episode he directed, and it's a 9.0. So again, we've got another one-and-done, fantastic director. It makes you wonder how important the ratings were, what happens when they choose these directors, because this one was well-received. And again, a 9.0 on IMDb is it's that's hard to achieve, in my opinion.
1: It is. Yeah. Thank you to Rick Boda for taking this one on, because like you said, Chris, there's a lot going on in this one in terms of mythology. Um, It's a rather closed set, Chris. They spend most of the time inside of this hotel. So I think when you get episodes like that, it's especially impressive because sometimes you're able to change sets and you get more dynamic scenes with the ability to do that. But he was kind of limited in what he was able to do. But a lot of really rich material here. Um, A lot of gods from a lot of different religions, Chris. Some really interesting pieces of lore that's going to propel us towards the end of season five. So much goodness in this one. But of course, thank you to Rick Boda, the director here. Uh, What an episode to start and end your career on, man. I mean, a 9.0. Well done, buddy. Now, let's
0: first tackle two important things about this. One, a lot of characters. But... We are talking about an important question for Supernatural because Supernatural has lived in really a focus on Christianity for most of it. Now, there's other things come into play, but it's been very Christian from a religious perspective in the idea of God, Lucifer, etc. And that's generally what comes from from those faiths. This dives into the fact, well, what about these other religions and beliefs? How do these come into play? And it lets you understand that yet yeah, all these other pieces exist there is a, a kind of a, a set of of gods out there god ultimately being the ultimate god in this universe but these other characters are out there so let's hit on who these people are we got Kali, who's a hindu goddess she's associated uh, Kali is associated with uh, eternal energy and death a terrible, vicious slayer of demons. She's also the dark mother or the dark goddess. Uh, when you've seen her and visually and other things, forearms. Uh, she's usually, uh, uh, usually black, and she. But in this, she's often portrayed as blue, and she's usually naked. So that's that's a visual for you right there. We get into so much more though. You've got Balder, who's the god in Norse mythology. So now we've got a Hindu goddess. You've got Norse mythology. Baldur is associated with light, beauty, love, innocence, and forgiveness. You've got Baron Samiti, who's one of the Loa or the spirits of Haitian voodoo. So, I, like, as we're going through this, this is what I love about this episode. I have to pause to say it. Acknowledging these other universes or these other faiths and religions, it's very cool the way that they do it. Ganesh. Hindu god, so we're, we're back into Hindu. He's often depicted with the head of an elephant and he's known for removing obstacles to success. Also, the god of education and learning. Now, everyone knows Odin, I like to think, who's the chief god in Norse mythology, ruler of Asgard. We got Mercury, the god of sex, the son of Maya, Maestas, and Jupiter in Roman mythology. So now we got Roman, Norse, Hindu, and Haitian. Zhao Shen kitchen god of chinese folk religion and mythology And last but not least we got egyptian goddess isis is that is that how we said it is it isis i yeah I I, yep. I I got that right okay uh with the power of healing weather and fate itself so that's a lot to take in and they really make up a lot of this episode i mean the boys are obviously part of it but it's kind of hard not to Take the center, you know, let these characters take center stage for for a good bit of it, because these are the gods getting together and uh, all in one place, all in this hotel, the Elysian Fields Hotel, which the boys are forced to stay in because a storm forces them off the highway. And it it's certainly intended in, in it's, this is fate that they're supposed to be here.
1: It's fate. Yeah, they were sort of led into this trap, Chris, to spend the night with a bunch of gods. Now, this isn't the first time that we've met other gods, Chris. The first one that comes to mind for me are the pagan gods from A Very Supernatural Christmas. Uh, They were fudge and hilarious. I really enjoyed that episode. I watch it every single year. So it's not the first time, Chris, that Sam and Dean have come to uh, you know, battle uh, other gods. And what this episode does, though, is it kind of contextualizes it for us, Chris, and they start to explain how these gods coexist with the sort of you know um, traditional Catholic Jude gods that that come with the apocalypse, right? And it's interesting because later in the episode, Callie will sort of explain to uh, our characters what exactly happened, but later in the series, Chris. There's a different explanation. So I want to just quickly um, explain my findings, if I may. Yeah. Um, to begin the episode, we see all of them under one roof, and it's clear to us that they're having some sort of meeting, right? They want to take on Lucifer. So, so right away, we, we understand that there's a conflict between the angels and pretty much the entire collective of gods, right? Chris, as we do often, we're on Reddit, we're on Twitter. If you don't follow us on either platform, be sure to do so. We're either starting threads to engage the community or in this case, Chris, simply commenting and trying to fill in gaps where we see them. But just last week, I found a a thread and the user on Reddit uh, was saying, you know, I was watching this episode back and it seems to me that all of the other gods have kind of been reduced to a species of monsters, right? And they kind of get slapped around by angels is that kind of disrespectful to these other religions? And I thought that's an interesting conversation to have. Let me try to dig into this a little bit. And and my response, Chris was, well, they kind of explained this already. You might recall this. You might not, but in season 15, this is explained by fortuna uh, or, or fortuna. I forget how exactly how they pronounce her name, Chris, but here's a quote. And she explains how exactly these other gods exist in the universe of supernatural. So, This is her quote. She says, God created the world, but you know who created us gods? You did. You humans. Sort of. When you apes first climbed down from the trees, you didn't pray to him. You prayed to the sun, the womb, the rain, and the stars. Well, at first, the creator was furious. The creator, in this case, Chris being Chuck or God. How dare you not recognize his beneficence? But soon enough, he birthed us. So this kind of contradicts what we're going to learn in this episode, Chris, which is that according to these other gods, they said they were here first, right? They were on earth first. I think you could spin that to say they were here before angels. And that would technically go in line with that quote that I just read, but I thought it was interesting because what we're doing is we're putting Chuck truly as the creator in the driver's seat. And then in terms of like the actual, uh, Linear progression of gods. It seems to me that all of these gods that we just listed came first because humans initially prayed to them and created them, and the angels came afterwards. And sort of that, you know, is why they're able to overpower these gods. And so I wanted to clear that up at the top. I don't think Eric Kripke and the team were trying to disrespect these other religions personally. That's just my take. I do think he was trying to represent these other gods as creations um, of humans. Like, and it's true. I mean, if you look at any religion, humans really are the genesis of all of these beliefs, Um, whether or not you believe that the word of these religions certainly are passed down through humans. And so it's a muddy concept, Chris, but one that I found really interesting. Um, And depending on which side you lean on, you're going to have a different interpretation. But what did you think? Did you think that was sort of a, a messy landscape? Did you find the co- the conversation confusing? Because I just, I, I, I go back and forth uh, all I, the time.
0: I I found that, I think when I initially watched this, I took it as God created the general universe, which created these potential gods and the people end up worshiping them, in some case over, say, God himself at, at some point. But God ultimately, I took in this universe, created these other gods Right. But put them in the universe because he did create quote unquote free will and allowed them to kind of do what they would. And you know, you could say humans screwed up. If we've said that many, many times, they do screw up in this universe, but he created them in that sense, uh, because them having powers and, and all all these other things, they accept it, but they ultimately, as a show, I thought it was neat that they did it, but this season again meant to be the last it would be a good time if you think it's going to end at season five to show it this way. Cause okay. Hey, by the way, all this stuff exists. All right, let's get back to the apocalypse story. Great so point. the choice to introduce it, you can debate and, I, and maybe that overland tries to clear that up, but ultimately I'm glad they're in this universe and that they're acknowledged, but are they pushed aside? Yeah, certainly. I mean, I think when it comes down to it, you ultimately needed a all, all powerful being. And that was ultimately for this world the traditional Christianity character of God, right. and I say character. Of course, we need no offense. It, it, it depends on your beliefs on, um, you know, where where this stuff falls. But
1: totally, Dan.
0: We find ourselves the boys checking into this hotel, and one of the funniest things about this episode is Dean sees an elephant picking up a towel, but when he returns, it's just a man. And you start to what's going on here. You know, very early on in this episode, they've been forced inside. There's this hotel. They're investigating it for what's going on. Is this supernatural? The idea of the boys investing a hotel, a supernatural hotel. Oh, is it was a haunting, like a fairly standard start for the Winchesters. It's so much more than that because they continue to find weird things. I mean, they find a soup of eyeballs and people locked in a freezer. What the hell is happening? And it's in these moments that we are finding them captured. And that group of gods is ultimately going to be before them in the most unusual space for a group of gods. But a conference room. It's just a conference room full of the gods. And and even Dean and, Dean and Sam in this moment are just like, we're in our overheads. Like what the hell? And we've talked about it a few episodes ago. How angels are after them, demons are after them. You've got uh, you've got everyone. Even after Bobby, Death, who is working at this point for Lucifer, has them in his tracks as well. When he brought back zombies, you know, to to make his point. So now you've got the gods involved. This this whole thing is getting out of hand for the Winchesters and and I don't think and the neat thing here to me is they didn't jump the shark like this is such easily a jump the shark moment I don't Mm. feel like they did jump the shark in this I feel like they delivered this very effectively
1: I agree yeah and you just said it Chris there's a lot of like oh shit moments in this episode like a ton of them a few actually But having all of these gods in a conference room and not in not just that, Chris, but the gods are arguing with each other about how the world works. I thought it was really funny when Odin was saying, you know, I don't care about the apocalypse because when I die, a giant wolf is going to eat me. Right. And then you have another god saying, no, that's not true. My belief system is true. Like they they not only pulled off the fact that there are a group of gods that coexist that are trying to stop the apocalypse but we have gods arguing with other gods. I mean, on paper, Chris, that is like the craziest thing you could dream up for a Supernatural episode. But you're right, it works. And you throw Sam and Dean in there and you make it funny, right? It is really funny to see Sam kind of shitting his pants the whole time. Like Jared's always scared in this episode. Anytime the camera pans to him, he is terrified. Dean has kind of a part to play in this one in that he um, sort of saves the day, you could say. Like he is the vessel to do that. Um, but the best moment, Chris, it's gotta be when Gabriel walks in because we're not expecting him whatsoever, right? We haven't seen him in a little bit, uh, changing channels, I think is the last time we saw him. If I'm not mistaken, which we were very fond of. We, we loved covering that episode, but ultimately in this episode, Gabriel is here to save the boys. He's not here to hunt them down this time. He's actually here to rescue them from this group of, uh, gods. And it's, it's really great because, Normally, he is perceived as the charismatic bad guy, Chris. But in this case, we get to actually like root for him because he's here to help our heroes. And I thought that was a fun twist. And he does a great job. I mean, that guy is what can you say about that actor? I mean, he's fantastic.
0: But let's be clear. The gods don't know him as an angel. They know him as Loki. Right. So it's a perfect use of him in that sense that since they don't know him as Loki, he fits in that room kind of like hey what's up like that yeah he could just kind of do that because loki he's the trickster yep you know so and he's assumed that identity so well at this point you got to give a lot of credit to him his ability to infiltrate that role over the course of his life mm-hmm. he has completely escaped his life as an angel and is indeed loki and i think that's just very very cool Uh, because ultimately the boys are here because they're Bargaining ships, they are the piece that these gods are going to use to say, hey, we've got your vessels. What are you going to do? You know, and you can't do much if if you don't have access to the vessels. So the boys are now a, a bargaining ship in a universal war. I mean, that's uh, they never expected to be there. But yeah, Gabriel being there and, and really the thing is, he, he lets them know in secret because He's had a relationship with Callie and he wants to leverage it to break the spell because they've got a blood binding spell that she's using to trap the boys. So to break it, they need help. They legitimately cannot get out of this without help, which I think is very cool because it, it leaves some things out of their control.
1: Yeah. And, and he has a, an interesting conversation with the boys and he says, listen, I'm going to get you out of here. You better sack up because you know we're we're leaving ASAP and Dean goes no I don't think so because there's a a freezer full of humans that's the other sort of piece of this Chris and I think it's an important piece because I love how in an episode about literal gods the Winchester's main objective is still to save people I love that piece of the puzzle Chris because they could very easily be snapped out of there by Gabriel but they don't they say no you are gonna help us rescue these people or we're gonna tell the gods who you really are right I love that little line of dialogue from Dean. It just shows them what their values are still in an apocalypse, right? The other piece of this, Chris, is that Gabriel, he understands that Lucifer is going to ice all of these gods. They have no chance in hell. And I use that pun sparingly, Chris. They have no chance in hell. I I think the quote actually is, Lucifer is going to turn them into finger paint. And that's such a visual, Chris, that actually comes true later in the episode because when Lucifer shows up, I mean, those scenes are straight up gory. We'll get there in a minute. But he straight up tells the boys, there is no chance that these gods can even like harm Lucifer in the slightest bit. So when I say go, we go. And, and you sort of see them team up in that moment, Chris. But his plan doesn't really work, does it? Callie's too smart for him. She realizes that he... Uh, is bullshitting her essentially he tries to wine and dine her it doesn't work and callie rats him out she brings him to the other god and says this is actually an angel uh his name is gabriel and with his blade she she kills him in front of all the other gods or so we think chris this is a rewatch podcast yeah we can say it up top here she doesn't really kill him we believe that she kills him but it turns out to be a fake blade because Gabriel is, is always one step ahead of everybody else. Right. That's I just never
0: believe Gabriel is dead though, because we've seen him killed or almost killed yeah. how many times at this point. Right. And he just doesn't die. So you kind of, if you're a fan of his show and he was even your first time watching, you kind of know because Gabriel is hiding in the Impala. I mean, he just kind of pops up. He says that they get the Dina's to get their blood from Cali so they can escape but he will not kill Lucifer. It's his brother. He doesn't care. And in this moment, and this is what I like about it. When he says this, you can understand it because it's like, it it is a parallel to Dean not wanting to kill his own brother. We've talked about this parallel for years, by the way, this is not the first time we've said, I mean, John said, you may have to kill your brother a few years ago. So the parallel of this is, phenomenal it goes to show just how well these first five seasons are written it's very tight and uh it it's something i think we have to give credit to because you may not even be thinking about in that moment but then you think about it after the fact say wait a minute he doesn't want to kill his brother just like sam and dean don't want to kill each other lucifer maybe cares a little less but even lucifer you know to some extent when we get to the lucifer michael scene doesn't necessarily want to kill michael He said let's not do this why do we need to do this why don't we work you know so i think that is uh i think it's just great that ongoing parallel that they build so uh, another parallel of brother versus brother we'll see it again later on of uh with some other characters but this one's great i I really dig the way they connect that dot
1: totally and i buy that gabriel has that issue in you know, basically killing his brother because Gabriel knows what a big bag of dicks Lucifer is. He he calls him that to his face, right? So he's not under any kind of false um, I- idea of, of what Lucifer truly is. He understands that his brother is not a good, per- I mean, in fact, no, he's, he's the worst possible person on the planet, the worst angel to ever exist. He knows all this, but even still, it's going to be hard for him to kill him or even just to stand up to him, Chris. Like, he he doesn't even want to show his face to Lucifer because he's, he's afraid of him, right? Gabriel is the little brother. Um, if I could abruptly disrupt this episode, Chris, because this is exactly what the Ghostfacers did. The promo in the middle of this episode to tease the web series of the Ghostfacers, I thought was absolutely hilarious. It was brilliant. It was... So um it, it had no right being in this episode like they could have fit this in any other episode, but they chose this one. And I thought that because it didn't fit, it was the best possible scenario. Like, I'm so glad it was abrupt and uh, as inappropriate as it was. There are some really rated R jokes in that promo, that 30 second promo that. I spit up laughing. That's that's just how good it was. Um, it's not in our show notes, Chris, but I rewatched this last night. And I got to tell you, I, I kind of forgot about the Coast Facers for a minute there. But I'm so glad that that little web series uh, pop up showed up. I, I would have loved to check it out in real time when that episode aired. I don't recall actually doing it. But apparently there was a real web series that you could go and watch. And I think that's really cool. Yeah,
0: they really did. I didn't watch it myself but i they did a lot of those web series tie-ins i feel like in that era i know they they also did it with the office actually when the office was on tv so it it was definitely a thing but uh yeah very very interesting uh little divergence that they had but look lucifer does arrive all right so we we get the tease like i couldn't kill him oh well there he is Mm -hmm. and that's that's the best part about this is you tease lucifer coming i don't think you will expect lucifer to show up and then slaughter all of these people he says he's going to make you finger paint and then he makes them all finger paint and yes. that's the great moment where you're just like oh man oh shit. you know how frightening it is because these are all gods and that's where the reddit piece that you mentioned earlier does that dis- diminish them if god created all of them to be someone that humanity looked up to. Then know if he's the ultimate creator. And that's why I say God is the ultimate creator of this universe. Does not mean that that is necessarily true for all in the real world. But in this show, that is the case. Right. When he he goes in and does this, though, because all the gods, he's about to kill Callie when Gabriel intervenes. Basically says that he's not on Lucifer's side or Michael, but he's come to agree that God, with God, humanity is better than them. And then he, he ultimately tries to kill Lucifer with the angel blade. Now, here's the thing: Lucifer turns on him and kills Gabriel. Is Gabriel dead? Let you know once again, how many times can you kill Gabriel? But in this moment, you've watched Lucifer now die really twice in this episode, but Lucifer is frightening at this point. I mean, you have introduced him again in this in this scary moment every introduced and we, we know who Lucifer is, right? But it's frightening to see him just slaughter gods. And then you say to yourself, how are the Winchens? how are the Winchesters supposed to beat him? I mean it is setting up a finale so well because we are so close. we're three episodes away from the finale right now. And you're feeling it. You're feeling how is this show going to end? And hypothetically as we said, this would have been the end. So how is this show? going to end you really don't know in that moment how they can win
1: you don't and lucifer is downright scary chris you're right and i love the attention to detail if you notice nick uh you know sort of the vessel he has been decaying slowly and every time every episode that we see him and he's not looking good so you know that sam's about to say yes real soon because nick is on his last legs and i love how he talks to the other gods chris he says you know, you, you, uh, you pagans are so petty. It's no wonder you handed down or you forfeited this planet to us. And that's another line to say that what Callie is saying is, is kind of right. They were there first, but eventually angels showed up. God created the angels and the angels overpowered them. And that's just the rules set up in this universe, right? So we have that sort of... Uh, that that background that we can follow as i said later in season 15 it explains it a little bit further i actually think it's quite interesting how they develop that story chris um because as you said this would have been the end of the series lucifer just iced all the other gods callie is one of the most powerful gods of all religions you could argue so the fact that he you know was just about to ice her pretty pretty handily it it tells you a lot about how powerful lucifer really is but when he's looking at the Winchesters, he's so cordial with them, Chris. He says, Sam, Dean, good to see you again. Doesn't try to hurt them at all. Where right? I think his plan probably is to do what he has to do with them in the motel. Of course, they escape. But like, I love how he talks to them because he has such a, an arrogance about him that he just feels like he knows he's going to get what he wants from them. And so he talks to them like they're nothing. you know, like, like He's not trying to be intimidating to them. And I think that's really, really funny and really scary, actually.
0: You could debate he respects the fact that all right we're not done I'm not going to worry it's right. there's a level of res- you could argue there's a level of respect yeah. but I think you're more accurate in the sense of it, it it's the exact opposite there's no respect it's like you are so unimportant I don't yes. need to kill you right now right. I don't need to do anything with you right now I'm going to kill these gods just give me a moment like you know <laughs>
1: Yeah
0: they're gone um but they do get away dead they get away and in their escape they're given a DVD from Gabriel uh, that is a Casa, Casa Erotica DVD. So, of course, what a choice. What a choice. And in this video, Gabriel's left a message for them. And it's an important message. It says that they may be able to re-imprison Lucifer. And that the keys to his cage are the rings of the four horsemen. They've already got two of these. And were introduced. And this is different because we've complained about the one-off episode mm. thing this is yep. different we're actually teased the next horseman that's pestilence and pestilence to watch the flies swarming around so creepy i mean it's this very sickly character that character of pestilence by the way played by matt Fleur, who's a canadian american actor you've he's done a lot of voice uh work he's a phenomenal character um, and he's a really good character actor, I think, I think it's fair to say. Um, but he, he shows up as pestilence, and yeah, we got uh, we've got a lot of good things ahead with pestilence. Um, yeah, And by a lot of good things, it's one episode. So again, my complaint stands. But still, we at least we get a tease of this one, which which I appreciate.
1: Yeah, I do too. We don't need to share episodes between Cupid. <laughs> and uh who was the last one chris was it famine i think it was famine, famine. and cupid that famine, and in the-
0: famine could have been so good it could have been yeah. so good it just, uh, just but pestilence I, I really enjoy pestilence i just i just again that visual uh is so good it's this it's this visual of i i can basically like a large fly landing on this desk clerk's desk and pestilence just comes in hacking like it's such a great moment, so I, I really dig it. I'm um, excited to see him because I think he, it, it, he, I think, takes joy in the role. This one-off role, I think the actor just has fun with it. So um it's not death, but oh my goodness, we're getting close to death.
1: We are, yeah. I can't wait for death. And, and maybe they caught on, Chris, that these horsemen deserve their own episodes. Like maybe there was real-time feedback to say you kind of dumbed down famine a little bit by adding Cupid. Maybe, maybe not. I'm just glad to see that we're teasing. The next Horseman, it's kind of like those after credit scenes we see in in like Marvel movies. Uh, I think that's really cool to kind of tease the next episode. Um, Before we tease the next episode, Chris, a few little notes of trivia uh, here. The first is that the title of this episode, obviously, is from Led Zeppelin's song, Immigrant Song. uh, Great song. I believe it's in a Thor film. Speaking of MCU, Chris, if I'm not wrong. Yeah. Yeah,
0: it's in um, the, uh, the only good one. Um, it, it's it, there's a, an incredible scene where he comes down and uh, there's a whole fight at Asgard and it's it's great., uh, but yeah, that that does show up. I can only imagine how much they paid for that song. Like it, that that's not cheap.
1: Not cheap. No. Uh, another one here, Chris, Elysian Fields is the name of the hotel that the boys uh, find themselves stuck in. Uh, but it's also part of the Greek mythological underworld. And apparently this underworld is where the souls of heroes go. Um, and so kind of a fitting, uh, place for the name of this hotel. Speaking of the hotel, I thought it was really interesting, Chris, that at the beginning of the episode shows the hotel kind of destroyed, but like the gods brought it back to life and made it really fancy just for this conference room. I thought that was a nice touch and something that it's very forgettable, but I thought it was a really cool, cold open. And so I'm glad that, you know, these little details, we talk about it all the time. Something like that goes a long way for a fan like me. So I really appreciated that one.
0: Yeah, and and really, there's a little practical practical joking and other stuff that happens on this show. In uh, this one, apparently, Jared and Jensen glued Denny Erickson, their stunt coordinator, to a chair during this shoot. Um, but in retaliation, Jenny used liquid nails on the doors of Jared's trailer where Jensen watched as a lookout. So they had some fun, um, as they did at this point with the show. They they like yeah. to have a lot of fun. Uh, but yeah, what an episode. I Like I said, I will just say I'm very excited about Pestilence, um and it's going to be fun uh i will just say uh i did want to go note that the ghost facers web series you should go look it up on youtube if you haven't that's a, obviously it, it's obviously there it's on the internet um but yeah the pestilence uh, let's just just get excited we're going to get some pestilence and pestilence puts us one step closer to death and you know, what's going to happen. You know, they're going to get these rings, you know, we're coming to the end and with the apocalypse and the big fight. And, um, I cannot tell you enough, Dan, but I am excited to talk about that final episode. Cause I've been looking up some things, including the location of that final fight scene, uh, really interesting stuff, uh, out there. Um, so we're, we're going to have some fun, but three episodes to go in this season. Uh, if you're enjoying the show, please go share it with your friends, your family, uh, Give us a subscription on Spotify to make sure you don't miss any episodes. We're dropping them every Tuesday. We are going to go uh, into a recap episode after we hit on the final episode, and then we'll go right into season six and continue forward. So a lot of seasons ahead. When this one ends, we got 10 more seasons to cover. So we're one third of the way. We, we've we got a lot of work to do, Dan. That I think is an understatement, but um, definitely come say Hi. We're excited to see all of you coming in and listening to the show. But on that note, Dan, I think that it is fair to say that uh, I think it's it for this week. But we'll be back because after all, we've got work to do.